they instilled toughness in me. You know, you have no idea what it was like, you know, back in the 40s in the Philippines and Okinawa and Guadalcanal. You know, things always got tough for me. My grandpa used to always say, suck it up. Hey everybody, Chris Havery with you on the week 11 edition of Chargers Weekly. That was the voice of former Chargers linebacker Donnie Edwards, the team's nominee for the 2017 Salute to Service Award. We'll get to my full interview with Donnie a bit later. We'll also be joined by team reporter Haley Elwood to get the latest from the Hogue Performance Center. But first, I sat down with NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah to talk Chargers and a very early look towards the NFL Draft. Daniel Jeremiah joins me on Chargers Weekly. And DJ, what if I laid this scenario out for you before last Sunday's game in Jacksonville? Chargers would not allow a sack to the Jags, who have 35 on the year. They'd hold Leonard Fournette to 33 rushing yards. And Blake Bortles would throw 51 times, get picked twice in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, and the Chargers lose. It was a weird game. Of all the games this last week, I thought that game was just bizarre. I mean, you could see the post-game interview with, with Doug Marone where he was, like, exhausted. Uh, I mean, the game was was in hand. If you don't have the fumble late in the game, I think the Chargers get out of there with a win. But uh, man, what a, that's that's a that's a disappointing loss. It is. It's, it just shows how crazy this league can be when, when all the main players, like a Melvin Gordon, supposed to get off, and Leonard Fournette coming back after four weeks rest, no one does anything, and then Austin Eckler of all people comes out with two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, look, it's you get him. Going and they've always had a place for that smaller back. With Philip, has always liked having one of those guys around to be able to use. And you go back all the way to the uh, you know to, to the Sproles years, and now I think you see Eckler getting involved as a runner, as a passer. I just watched the tape this morning, and Chris, there's a play where they run the ball, and he literally disappears behind the line. Like <laughs> can't I can't him. see him, and it was like magic. He just kind of it was an 11 yard run, and I still don't know where he was during during part of the run. I couldn't even see him. He just gets lost inside in the trash, but now he did a nice job, especially out of the backfield in the passing game. I want to ask you about guys like that. He had 120 total yards Sunday, two touchdowns. And DJ, this is a guy who went undrafted Western State in Colorado. As a scout, I don't know if you could share with us yeah. just what goes into the process of tracking small school guys like Eckler. Well, you've got the uh, the scouting combine. So people see the combine on television. Well, that that is actually a product of what happens during the fall in terms of we have scouts go out. Every team um, goes out, has their own scouts, but there's a service called the National Scouting Service, and they have representatives from, I would say, probably 18 to 20 teams, maybe even a little bit more than that. So those they have scouts actually work for the teams. There's one of them. But they report their their information goes back to the group, and then they send it out to everybody else in the whole league. So you have every school in the country getting covered by those national scouts. Got it. So then as a regular scout for a team, you get the, the list. They'll send you the list of, okay, hey, this year there's a prospect at Western State or there's a, a prospect at some small random school that I normally wouldn't go into. But they've gone in there and kind of plucked one out of the pile. So that's a nice heads up to go in there. And then as a scout, you're responsible, even if they don't show up on that list, you're keeping an eye on schools in your area and saying, okay, I'm, this year I'm not, I'm not going to go into Concordia, okay? Yeah, I'm not on my list. I'm skip that one this year. But they've got a kid that's got 20 rushing touchdowns this year. Or, you know, he's got this unbelievable year and, and they maybe played up a level in a game and they played, um, you know, they played Montana, which is a good, you know, yeah. uh, one double A. I still go one double A. I can't go. Yeah, I can't go FCS, FCS FBS. Right. I now mess with that. But so he had a good game there. So you've got to kind of keep track of all that stuff. It's it's a lot to get your arms around. Um, but man, he was a 
player. I know people went in there. I was told about him last spring, so I watched him in the preparation for the draft. Um, he went undrafted, but obviously he's been a heck of a pickup. What's that process like with the GM on, on trying to sell the general manager on a small school guy, especially when the draft is over and it's time to sign these undrafted free agents. I imagine there's some pounding on the table with, with scouts and the general manager. How does that process work? Well, it's interesting. You would think you would sell what you saw, you know, just kind of on the tape. That's the, the natural thing. But when you're talking about small school guys, here's the, the, the sales pitch that you make is usually one of three things. They've, like I said, they've played up a level. So they've played a game at least against higher competition and they've performed well. So yep. that's one avenue. Uh, for your sales pitch. The next one is they show up at an all-star game. So they show up at the Senior Bowl, the East-West Shrine game, the NFLPA game, one of those games where they're playing against Division One players and they and they show out and do a good job in that setting. Um, that's number two. Number three would just be their pro day workout. So then you have hard numbers to say, okay, look, he's this is his height, weight, speed. We can compare that to what we've seen with these other players at bigger schools, and now we project him forward. Um, but it's not enough to just go into the room and say, hey, you know, this guy rushed for 2,000 yards, had 25 yeah. touchdowns against nobody state. Yeah. Uh, that – you know that's a tough sell inside the room. You got to have some other data. During your stops with the Eagles and Ravens and Browns, is there a guy that sticks out to you? Is, is like kind of a feather in the cap in terms of a, a small school guy or a, or a undrafted free agent that you guys brought in? Yeah, you know, gosh, we had that these all start running together now. Yeah, and I start bet. talking about undrafted free agents. We had now the name's going to escape me. We had a receiver from it's not a small school, but we had a receiver from UCLA who had very little production. Um, and maybe somebody that listens to this can get you the name because it's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> but uh, so we, he had very little production, but he had a track background. So he had a phenomenal pro day. So, yeah, I sold, hey, let's, let's, let's bring this kid as a free agent. At least he's big and fast. And we hadn't done much there. He's got a track background. We bring him in as a wide receiver, undrafted free agent. And he went, ended up going, we, we had him for a little bit. We cut him. He went to the Denver Broncos and actually played for, gosh, probably five, six, seven years, hung around the league. And it was there was no real college production to go off of. It was just, hey, wow. guy had a heck of a pro day. Uh, let, let's give him a shot. Trevor Williams is another guy. They, I, oh, yeah. Tom Telesco, these guys have found some some players. You know, when Jason Verrett went down, you thought the, the sky was falling. Trevor Williams come in, another undrafted guy, has done a good job for Tom Telesco. A guy who did not come from a small school, though, Mike Williams. Yeah. Number seven overall. Uh, we're starting to see an uptick in his snaps, DJ, over the last four games. It looks like he's getting a little bit healthier. Uh, what are your expectations for him as a pro once he's fully integrated in this offense? Well, it's just getting him comfortable with what they're doing. I've always said when you watched him in, in college that the, the areas where he's going to excel is going to get him in third downs where you can use his big body, third and four to seven. You're going to be using that big body like a Des Bryant. You don't need to get a ton of separation. You watch Des Bryant, you'll see it. But just knows how to wall guys off. You can get him on slants. You can get him on back shoulder throws. He can win on those crucial third downs. And then, obviously, get down the red zone where his size plays really, really well. So, you know, you watch that that game and the, the crucial interception and overtime that Phillip throws. Yeah. Push the ball vertically down the field to Benjamin. It's kind of a 50-50-ish ball. And you've got an undersized receiver that's trying to cradle, you know, it's trying to cradle the ball, and you've got a corner that goes up in high points. That's where you'd like to have a little more size, somebody could attack the football, and that's something Mike Williams made a living at at Clemson. Yeah, two catches for 24 yards on Sunday, and I think we're going to start to see him more and more as the the back half of the season progresses. Um, Dan Feeney's played well. Uh, 
and the big dagger was losing Forrest Lamp yeah. earlier in the year, and, and you get him back next year. It's almost like kind of a redshirt season. What did you see from Forrest Lamp? Because the, the, the draft last year, offensive line was pretty thin. Yeah. A lot of people had him projected as a first-round pick. Yeah, I thought they got the best two interior offensive linemen in the whole draft yeah. when you when you look at, at Forrest Lamp. And I liked the fact about him. Everybody talked about the Alabama game because he, he shut those guys out with all their edge rushers that they had. But he's just technically sound and solid. You know, it was uh, – Always on balance. You see him doesn't duck his head, doesn't get too wide with his base. plays He plays with good core strength. I thought he could play all five positions. Now I don't think you'd want him surviving. I think he could survive at tackle. I don't think mm. you'd want him playing tackle. I think he's got a chance to be a Pro Bowl interior offensive lineman. It was kind of to me like a poor man Zach Martin that we've seen have tremendous success yeah. with the Dallas Cowboys. And Feeney is just a brawler. You know he was going to be tough, and he could play any of those three interior spots and. You know, I watched the game this morning, and he's got he's got a couple flatbacks, a couple knockdowns. You see the physicality. Balance issues will show up on occasion with him. I thought Lamp was a little more consistent in that area. But, man, going forward, you've got two solid starters that can yeah. grow together. So you certainly have two good ones. Joey Bosa, nine and a half sacks this season, 20 career stars, DJ, 20 sacks. Uh, have you been surprised by just how dominant he has been, though, in those, these first two seasons? Well, those are incredible numbers. Yeah. I mean, it, look, I was big on him, as most people were, coming into the draft process, and uh, he is not disappointed. He's, he's, he's somebody that's unique because you see – a lot of times you'll see guys that win with a couple different things. They win with just pure athleticism. Then you'll see guys that win with technique, and then you'll see guys that win with effort. He's a good mix of all three. He's very athletic. His technique is flawless. His swipe move is as good as you'll see in the league. And then the effort. I mean, if if you look at any pass rusher, I don't care if you go back however many years, and you see a guy that ends up with 12-plus sacks in a season, go back and break those down. I guarantee you three of them are just pure effort. Sure. They're just just they, some people, oh, it's a garbage. No, no, it's not a garbage sack. He earned it. It was just he never stopped. He never quit. And that's the way Bosa plays. Absolutely. Um DJ, some big college games over the next two weeks, and we got bowl season right around the corner. I know it's early, but who are some of the guys you're excited to see play over the next few weeks that, that we could be talking about in April, You know, it, regardless of position? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a, there's a great group of running backs this year. Um, that's something I think is going to be a nice theme when you go towards the draft. Saquon Barkley, to me, feels just like Leonard Fournette the year before. You don't need to see any more Saquon Barkley. I know, but, you know, but th- this is what happens. We talk about how great somebody is, and then it's like we got to pull him down. So last year with Leonard Fournette, oh, you can't run against Alabama. What, it's the only time he played an NFL yeah. front. Now he's not going to be able to – no, no, their players are better up front than it's blocking for him. It not matter who's back there, you're not getting any yards. So we look at the teams just game planning to, to stop Saquon Barkley, loading up the box, and so his numbers are not great does not take away from what a special talent he is. He's an elite player. So you've got him in the mix. You've got Darius Geis down at LSU, who I think is a fantastic player. Ronald Jones, who people in Los Angeles would be familiar with at USC, is a big-time back. Bryce Love up at Stanford has got some some serious home run juice. So – Plenty of backs. Uh, that's going to be fun to monitor. And I'm always, you know, I'm always chasing quarterbacks. Oh yeah, so it, yeah. it's fun. I, I'm going to try and get out to SC this weekend. So you've got Rosen and Darnold squaring off for Battle of LA. I've seen Josh Allen up at Wyoming, who's a good player. I saw Baker Mayfield last week, who's a real exciting player. We talked about Baker on the podcast last yeah, week, right? Yeah, no, I'm a big fan of his. So then you've got Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State. I've got to get it on the schedule for the bowl season. i got to go out and see uh, my man Lamar Jackson at Louisville because oh, yeah. he might be the most intriguing player of all of them. Uh, so it's going to be running backs, quarterbacks, this draft. That's what I'm looking forward to watching. What do you make of Lamar Jackson, DJ, in, in terms of this mix? Because we, we talk about Darnold, Rose, and yeah. Allen at the top, you know, Mayfield potentially. Potentially in the first round. Lamar Jackson is that wild card who has just 
done nothing but dazzle in, in college football. Where does where does he fit in the NFL? Tell you what, that's my to do list. Yeah. When we finish here, <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in and dig in and watch some more. I watched him a little bit earlier this season, but I wanna I wanna do like a three game study on his last three games and see what he's been doing because I've, I'm you see the highlights. It's it's always impressive with what he does. I want to see how comfortable he's getting in the pocket, um, sitting working the whole field because man, he can throw it. He's got a real slight slender frame, which is gonna bother some people, but he's a freak of an athlete. He's a heck of a competitor. And really not a lot of talent around him. He's found a way to make that team competitive every week. Yeah. DJ, there's a ton of football podcasts out there, man. And I have to say, I've been a loyal Move the Sticks listener for a long time. And I, what I love about it is that it's, you know, you get your fix during the season, obviously. But you guys are a year-round deal, man. Talking talking draft. T- tell people where they can get Move the Sticks, not only the podcast, but also online and on video. Well, first of all, thanks to you for kind of joining the team up over here, helping oh, us out a little bit, it's man. It's my pleasure. So the more, they always say in, in, in scouting with players, the more you can do, the more valuable you are. Yeah, you know? got to be versatile. So, yeah, you got to be able to bounce <laughs> around. So you got a lot of skills. Uh, we've enjoyed having you. But the uh, the cool thing with the podcast, yeah, we have fun during the season. We get to talk NFL, we get to talk about college. But when we really get our juices flowing is once we get to the end of the college season, yeah. get towards the all-star games, the senior combine, bowl, yeah. senior, all that stuff. That's when we really get rolling on our podcast and we have a lot of fun. We'll have general managers on. We'll have the top players in the country will join us. So uh, we do some cool stuff. But right now we have three podcasts a week. You can catch the uh, Sunday night podcast we do, which is just 10 takeaways. I like that one. It's fun. It's yeah. new. We haven't done that. It's yeah, the first, like year, it. first year we've done that. And we want to just kind of have an instant reaction. It's not based off of the tape study. We haven't got a chance to do that at that point in time. But just kind of what we saw immediately your gut reaction that posts late Sunday night. Most people, you know, download it and listen it's to it on the way. It's a perfect Monday in. morning listen. Yeah. You know? yeah, you're driving to work on Monday. Sure. Maybe you watched your team's game, but you didn't get to see much else. This kind of gives you, and usually we try and get it done in 30, 30 minutes, and you can get kind of a brief snapshot of what happened in the NFL that week. So that's a fun one. Then we have our regular Tuesday, Thursday pods where uh, talking about previewing NFL games, college games, matchups, lots of fun. DJ, it's 7 in the morning here, middle of the week, NFL Network. Get back to work, man. Get on that film. I know, man. I got to get rolling. I'm I'm an hour and a half in. Um, and I've now I've I've got my next. What do you got today? You you, you multitasking with college? Improv? Yes. So I usually usually at, at the, the closer we get to the end of the season, I will try and flip it. So I'll, normally I'm watching eighty percent NFL, twenty percent college, and then and it starts to switch a little bit. So yeah. this morning I came in, I got my Chargers work done because I want I knew we were going to chat. I wanted to see that that Jags defense, and now I've got gosh, what, shoot, I've still got I've got two hours to dig into some Lamar Jackson here. So that's <laughs> what I'm, that's what I'm getting ready to do. I want a full report later in the week, DJ. Thanks it. so much, bud. Thanks, pal. Hey, fans, be there live to support the L.A. Chargers this season. Always buy your Chargers tickets from our official ticketing partner, Ticketmaster and the NFL Ticket Exchange. Only Ticketmaster has verified tickets that are 100% guaranteed to get you in every time. Other sellers can only guarantee they'll give you a refund if they sell you a fraudulent ticket. So go with a trusted source and our official partner and know you're going to the game. It's my great pleasure to welcome in former Chargers linebacker Donnie Edwards to Chargers Weekly. Donnie is the team's nominee for the 2017 Salute to Service Award. And Donnie, before we get into all the fantastic work you do for the military, what does it mean to you to be nominated by the Chargers for this award? It's kind of nice because it all started in San Diego. Being born and raised in San Diego, being part of a military family my whole entire life. I mean, you know, San Diego has always been a military town with Camp Pendleton, with the Marine Corps, and also with the Navy. 
So being born and raised here and being such a part of the, um, the, uh, you know, uh, the community and, uh, playing for the chargers when they're here and when they were there in San Diego and, uh, still, you know, being nominated for the chargers up in LA, it's, it's a nice, uh, honor and recognition. And, you know, working with the military, Donnie, that's something that's very personal to you. Your grandfather is a Pearl Harbor survivor. How has his story uh, shaped the way that you live your life today? Well, it's pretty amazing because I kind of grew up with him. He was my father figure in my life growing up and hanging out with him and and hanging all of his buddies. Um, You know, they instilled toughness in me and to suck it up. Yeah. You know, you have no idea what it was like, you know, back in the 40s in the Philippines and Okinawa and Guadalcanal, you know, and, uh, you know, when things get, you know, when things always got tough for me, my grandpa used to always say, suck it up. <laughs> so every time I, you know, come to some type of like, you know, roadblock or something, I just hear his voice in the back of my head, suck it up. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, there's so many commonalities when you talk about that brotherhood in an NFL locker room. And then the unbelievable, unshakable brotherhood of our veterans. I don't know if you could describe that unique bond and the profound appreciation that NFL players have with our military. Well, it's about camaraderie. It's about teamwork. It's setting goals. It's perseverance. It's discipline. I mean, all these qualities that we learned in football, it's it's very uh, similar to the military. So there's a unique bond that we both share about teamwork and and setting goals and trying to get the job done and every man has to do their job. So, you know, there's a lot of similarities and, you know, I partake, uh, in a lot of those things and try to use it, you know, when I was playing, um, you know, the game of football. You've participated in, in seven tours with the USO, uh, which I know means a great deal to the members of our military overseas. What are those experiences like for you, Donnie? Well, it's pretty amazing because you get to go out, you know, to where, our men and women are serving um, abroad. I mean, I think we're in over 170 countries around the world. I think a lot of people don't know that, that <laughs> we have Americans in so many far places of this earth. And uh, to go to places like Djibouti, um, Djibouti is on the east side of Africa, next to Somalia, Tria, and um, uh, uh, Ethiopia. And uh, to go there with, you know, my former teammate, Drew Brees, and to go, you know, visit the troops out there and, you know, throw the football around and play a little football back in the day. And, you know, just just to be there, it's just great for them because it's, it's kind of boring. It's kind of mo- monotonous. And for them to get a piece of home to come back and talk football and, and hang out, it's always great. And it makes me feel good to, you know, to go visit these men and women that are out there that are protecting, our, you know, our butts. Oh, absolutely. You know, these guys look at you like, that's Donnie Edwards of the Chargers. That's Donnie Edwards of the Chiefs. And when you get there, I mean, what is it like knowing that what you did in your NFL career in comparison to what these guys are doing each and every single day? There's really no comparison when you look at it, right? No, there's no comparison at all. I mean, my hat is off to these guys. I mean, I, I mean, you don't know until you go out there and you see the conditions and what these, you know, what they have to do and go through day in and day out. I mean, it's tough work. And, uh, you know, the luxuries that we have here, you know, back home is a, is a mirror, you know, (laughs) of what they're going through every day. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it it makes you put everything into perspective for sure. And, uh, when every time you come back to, you know, 
come back to the States, you just have more of appreciation for this country and what it means and, and how blessed we are to be born and raised here. Now, your primary work today is with the Greatest Generations Foundation. Uh, for those who may not know what it is, please tell me about that mission. Well, I'm actually not with them anymore, actually. I left them last year. I'm kind of doing my own work now. No, that's great. Kind of deal. Yeah, through uh, Donnie Ever's Best Defense. I've had it since 2001. And still doing the same thing. I've been taking World War II veterans back to the battlefields uh, for the last 12 years. And more recently, the last six years, actually, um, since I've been out of football, six, seven years, I've been out of football, which is great because I have the time and energy and, and, uh, you know, and the want to, to do it, which has been pretty nice. Um, we've been to a lot of different countries around the world, um, with veterans, uh, most notably, um, going to Iwo Jima. So being on the top of, uh, Mount Suribachi and have an opportunity to bring, uh, you know, some Iwo Jima survivors back to that point was just amazing. I mean, they thought that they'll never get an opportunity to go back. And I was really happy that I can help provide an opportunity for them to go back and pay their respects to their brothers. Um, this is really rewarding. You know, it's really rewarding for me to go there and to like, you know, to, to be with the men that made the history possible. The reason why we're there. And it's just, it's just, you know, just amazing. Donnie, can you describe just kind of the feelings when you go to these sites with veterans, just, as an observer, like what's going on there? Because I have to imagine, you know, and I've read, I've read in the press release, you know, these guys are, you go with other veterans and, and their brothers and they go back to these sites. Just describe what that is like for these guys. Well, I think it's different for everyone because sometimes uh, there's some guys who have gone back before like 25, 30 years ago. And there's other guys who haven't revisited, um, you know, the site since, they were there without a passport, <laughs> yeah. as they say, back during the war, you know, so it's different for everybody. But every time we bring guys together, we bring them together as a team, you know, the boys back in the foxhole together. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't bring anyone with them. They just bring themselves. And, and it's amazing. You have like 10 guys that are, that really don't know each other. And uh, some guys have different experiences of where they are at the time. And uh, it's interesting to watch the dynamics and how the relationship works from the beginning of the week until the end of the week. I mean, the first time they're just kind of introducing themselves, like I did this and did that. And then by the end of the week, they're hugging, they're high-fiving each other. That's they're so telling cool. stories. It's amazing. To, it's amazing to see in a transformation because it takes them back to where they were when they're, you know, young teens and in their early twenties. And it's just nice for them to, you know, to, and to look back 73 years ago and to have that respect and recognition that so many people don't forget about what they did. And I think for them, it just kind of like fulfills them and fills them up in, in their life. I mean, a lot, I mean, most of the guys are well into their 90s now. And for so many people around the world to never forget about what they did, their service and sacrifice um, to, you know, <laughs> to defend the world basically i mean the, the world we know now is because of these men and women that that served and fought i mean that's why I'm, i believe it's the greatest generation is because they served and they did it in time of need and we're all benefiting from it now and i don't forget that and i'm very proud being american and donnie we talked off air you're you're bringing some vets to the game on sunday you're firing off that cannon uh, at StubHub Center uh, when the Chargers take on the Bills. But you said you you, you, yeah. you lobbed a call to some of these vets to let them know that they're going to the game, right? Yeah, I did. It's funny. Uh, yeah, I saw uh, two of the veterans today, and uh, I thought it was going to be a short you know, visit. I just went over there to get some information and grab a picture, and I ended up staying there for two hours. 
I had tea, they made me a sandwich and telling me some great stories and everything like that. So it was just great. And, and a lot of these guys, it's very special because they want to, you know, tell their story and what they did. And, um, you know, and it's amazing. I mean, these stories need to be remembered and, and, and need to be, you know, recorded and written down because if not, it's going to be gone. And, you know, we're going to look back 10, 15 years from now and it's all, it's all going to be a memory. Oh, it's really important. I'm very blessed to hear these great stories, and I'm sure you'll hear some if you see some of the guys this Sunday. Oh, I'll be I'll be searching you out on the field to see you and the, <laughs> and the guys. And Donnie, I know you're also doing some work with the NFL. Tell us about what you're doing with the league. Well, for the last four years, I've been with the uh, the NFL Legends community, and it's basically a, um, a a community where guys, when they get done playing, have a place where they can celebrate their career. And, and in the community, it's a great place to land where we have benefits, services, just everything available to guys to help them transition to their next phase of their life. We want them to be successful. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, it's lonely out there when you leave the game. But knowing now that the Legends community is there for the brothers, it's, it's been fantastic. It's been a lot. Of, I think we've been doing it for the last four years. And uh, we have over 6,000 um, uh, former players that are part of the program. And we're moving forward, and it's uh, it's been a huge success. And we continue to hope that more guys get signed up that play the game and uh, and start connecting with your brothers. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this Chargers team. A tough loss on Sunday against the Jags, but I'm sure you like watching some of the pieces on this defense, Donnie. Yeah, I like the big plays. Actually, I mean, it's all about making plays, and that's what it comes down to. Defense. I mean, every all the defenses I played for when I was with the Chargers. I mean, we made big plays and. That's what it's about. You know, it's not about just getting it done. It's about making the plays and, and, and doing what it counts. And, you know, that's what they've been doing, which is, is it's been fun to watch. I, I talked to you yesterday. You said you may be able to get in there, some third down packages. If Gus needed you, would you be able to play like 15, 20 plays on Sunday? <laughs> uh, I think you're uh, kind of overestimating the number <laughs> of plays. I said I can go in there for a play, <laughs> one play, third on. down Maybe uh, maybe the PAT block team or something like yeah. that. No, <laughs> look, I'm 44 years old now, and uh, you know, 30 years of football is a long time of wear and tear on the body for sure. I appreciate what these guys do, and it's amazing, you know, to sit back and watch the game from you know from my level and see you know how intense and how and how tough and how hard hitting and brutal this game is. It's amazing. I mean, I just love. I mean, I I love the game. I love the game, and I love to see it and. I'm just blessed to have an opportunity to play, you know, to play football, play for the Chargers, and to play in the NFL. I mean, it's a dream come true from just a, a kid from San Diego. Donnie, Phillip Rivers, former teammate of yours, can you give me your favorite Phillip Rivers story? You know, we were talking about it earlier. This is a guy who hasn't missed a game since 2005. Yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, Phillip's a tough guy. I mean, I love, I love playing with that guy. Um, I mean, he's always great to watch. And with a teammate, he was always, you know, he's a great teammate. He's a great leader. 2004, I think it was his rookie year, um, and all the rookies have to go up and, and you know, sing or tell a joke or something like that. So, believe it or not, uh, 12 years ago, I think it was, yeah, when he was a rookie, um, we were at the at the Stub Up Center, the Home Depot Center back then, and that's where we had our training camp for 2003 and 2004. And I never forget right. that, uh, you know, it was, yeah, it was Phillips' turn to go up there, and right there at the Stub Up Center, down in one of those meeting rooms, he goes up there, and it's his turn to sing. And, uh, you know, 
And uh, you you got a guy like Phil, you know, who's you know who's just a, a riot. He goes up there and he sings, "A Devil Goes Down to Georgia," and he hit and he has the whole entire <laughs> team clapping, singing. It was so awesome. And I don't know if you know if he, I don't think that he knows, but I have a recording of that. I have a video of that that I recorded, and I just no way. saw it maybe probably yeah about about two months ago, and I meant to uh, to tell Phil. When I saw him at the game when they played the the Eagles, uh, but I do have a copy of his rookie song at training camp back in 2005. Donnie, you got to bring that to the game on Sunday. I don't know. I'm a. I have to ask him first if it's okay. So if he wants a copy of it, I'll give a copy, and then if he says throw it on YouTube, and then everybody can. You see Philip Rivers sing Devil Goes Down to Georgia. <laughs> oh, we'll <laughs> definitely have a link on uh, Chargers.com for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right donnie how can people learn more about your foundation um well it's the donnie ever's best defense foundation it's through the greater horizons um dot org um uh we have uh there's just a one page right now but uh you know what i do is kind of on the small deal just like per uh per program basis right now so my next program that i'm doing i'm taking uh, uh five veterans to normandy for uh, the 2000, uh, 2018, it's going to be the 74th anniversary of uh, D-Day, and uh, you know, bringing those boys about, giving them opportunity to go back and and uh, touch French soil one last time. So it's going to be pretty nice. Well, I tell you, Donnie, it was a great pleasure for me to have you on and learn all the things that you do for our military. He's Donnie Edwards. You can follow him on Twitter at Donnie Edwards. I will see you on Sunday, my man. Look forward to seeing you and the guys. Sounds good. See you Sunday. If you're a fan of the Chargers, shop our huge selection of Los Angeles Chargers gear and merchandise at the official pro shop of the Los Angeles Chargers. Buy officially licensed Chargers apparel to cheer on the team, including Chargers jerseys, t-shirts, tailgating gear, salute to service gear, and much more. Browse our collection of the most popular items and school accessories such as backpacks, fidget spinners, and Chargers back-to-school supplies. Find any kind of Los Angeles Chargers gear or clothing you may ever need today at shop.chargers.com. Chargers team reporter Haley Elwood joins me on Chargers Weekly. And Haley, really no way around it. A very tough loss in Jacksonville last Sunday. And I know you were in the locker room post game. What did the guys have to say about this one? Yeah, it was definitely tough. I think the most disappointing thing, I think, well, actually overall disappointment was rampant. And I think it's really hard, especially when you come out of a bye, to have a game like that. Um, Guys were bummed, you know a lot of them talked about the need to finish games. And this has been a common theme for the team this season. They turned it around at one point, you know, kind of flipped the script a little bit, but then fell back into, I don't want to say fell back into their ways on Sunday, but kind of in that sense where, you know, they, they let it go at the end of the game. I mean, it was, it was a bummer. It was a huge bummer, especially when you travel, you know, across the country, you're fresh, you're coming off the bye, you feel good. And then you have a game like that. I mean, the, the disappointing thing is how many times do you have two interceptions at the end of the game with a lead and then ultimately lose? It's, and that was that's the crazy. bummer again. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to Daniel Jeremiah about that. I, I kind of laid out that scenario. Like, what if I told you before the game that Blake Bortles yeah. would throw 51 30, times, 30, yeah. <laughs> two interceptions the last two minutes, you'd hold Fournette to 33 yards rushing, and you wouldn't allow a sack to the team that leads the NFL yeah. in sacks. And you lose, you know, so it's just 
it's just trying to trying to figure out this league uh, is puzzling on a, on a week to week basis. But going into Sunday, Monday morning, we were thinking this was going to be a Tyrod Taylor versus Philip Rivers matchup. Uh, Philip is in concussion protocol this week, so we'll know more later in the week about his status for Sunday. But the Bills have made a change at quarterback. Tyrod Taylor, who I think threw for 56 yards last week against the Saints, is out, and the rookie Nathan Peterman is in. Quite the shift in uh, in storylines, Haley. Yeah, totally quite the shift. I mean, any given Sunday, right? This is a week-to-week league, as they say, and here we are on Wednesday heading into Week 11. Don't know the status about Phillip Rivers, and then you have a rookie fifth-round pick coming in as the opposing quarterback. But yeah, uh, Sean McDermott made that change this morning, said that um, he wanted to see if he if Peterman could make, make Buffalo a better team. And this is a team, they're five and four. And I had watched McDermott's press conference on Monday post-game because, you know, they lost 47-10 to the Saints. Huge, you know, to give up 47 points, that's not good. They lost, I think they gave up 34 to the Jets the week prior. Um, but they're still in the playoff race. That's the crazy thing about it. They still have a winning record. They're still in the playoff race. So he, I think, just wants to see what the rookie can do. Uh, when he came in last Sunday, he went 7 of 9 for 79 yards and a touchdown. So he's got a little something there. But I think this could be very opportunistic for the Chargers' defense. I mean, they're already studs. They already get after the quarterback. And now you have a rookie coming in. So that could be, that could be huge for the Chargers. Yeah, that's a that's a tough spot for Peterman to come in and have yeah. to uh, uh, account for uh, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and guys like Denzel Perryman coming back. And besides the play of Tyrod Taylor, though, Haley, I mean, the Buffalo Bills gave up 298 rushing yards to the New Orleans Saints. Right. And, you know, we saw Austin Eckler really have a breakout game on Sunday. Uh, Melvin Gordon, he had it was tough sledding for him. Uh, I feel like regardless of who is quarterback, whether it's Phillip Rivers or Kellen Clemens, uh, we're going to see a heavy dose of Gordon and Eckler on Sunday. I agree with that. And the other thing is, I mean, yeah, New Orleans ran all over Buffalo. I don't think they had a, a passing touchdown in that game. Everything was either field goals or rushing scores. So that's huge for the Chargers. And that's something, obviously, that head coach Anthony Lynn has wanted to get going. He's talked about the run game all this season and getting it going and you saw Eckler provide a bit of a spark last Sunday, and I agree with you. I think you'll probably see more of him and, and with the complimentary, you know, to compliment Melvin Gordon, I should say, this coming week. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see uh, Melvin kind of come out and bounce back from, from last Sunday's game. And off the field, Haley, hey, it's Salute to Service Week, and the Chargers are participating in a number of military appreciation events. And earlier this week, the Chargers teamed up with uh, the Bob Hope USO for their annual Feed the Troops event. I know you were there at LAX. Uh, tell us about the day. Yeah, it was a super great day. It was a super fun event. We were at LAX with Bob Hope USO. We had Cardale Jones, Isaac Rochelle, and Adrian Phillips come out. And it was awesome. The guys helped serve the troops. Uh, they hung with them. They ate with them. What was really neat was when the four buses of Marines came in, they were helping these guys unload. And the crazy thing is you look at these Marines and they're just young kids. I mean, some of them are 18, 19 years old, but they are making the ultimate sacrifice. And when you work in sports and you get caught up in everything that happens on Sunday, you see players on the field and you think like those guys are heroes. Like those are the heroes, you know, they take the hits and they, you know, put on shows and everything like that. But it kind of makes you pause. It gives you pause and you go, these are the real heroes out there. So to see the two combine 
it was a really, really neat event. And I know guys were super touched. I know Cardale told me that he has a history of military ties within his family. His uncle is now serving his 22nd year. And it, you know, he just talked about giving back. Like it's cool when you have an opportunity to give back like that. And they certainly did that on their off day yesterday. You know, and that was just the beginning, Haley. Friday, the team is inviting a group of uh, local Wounded Warriors to practice, something that they've done, the organization has done for over a decade now. And Mm -hmm. just to echo you, in professional sports, I feel like we get wrapped up and consumed with wins and losses. And I think it's weeks like this that really put things in its proper perspective. Totally. You kind of take a step back and you go, it's so much more than football sometimes. And like Adrian Phillips was telling me yesterday, it's neat when the two can combine because he said it literally allows us to show our full appreciation for those guys. Just like when the World War II vets come out on Friday, you'll have the whole team there honoring these men and everything that they did for this country. And I think it was Cardale who told me yesterday, you know, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be allowed to do any of this. You know, he said we wouldn't be allowed to have the freedoms that we have. So we owe them everything. So it's just one of those times where you kind of take a step back and you go, it's time to honor them and, and it's neat. And obviously the NFL does it every November with salute to service, but it, it reminds you that you should have that gratitude all year round. Yep. And we just had a uh, Donnie Edwards, uh, the chargers salute to service nominee on the podcast right before you. So we're looking forward to seeing Donnie uh, fire the cannon on Sunday. Haley, what's going on this week on the website and on access chargers. I know there's a, there's a lot going on. So yeah, so we have uh, we'll have a little bit of Ask the Booth action happening with our radio team of Matt Money Smith and Nick Hardwick. And if any of you have questions that you want them to answer, you can submit them to all of our social platforms. So on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, the whole kit and caboodle there. And then we'll have our mic'd up. So Corey Legit was mic'd up versus the Jags. So we'll have that in there. And we'll have a little piece on the community event that we had yesterday, or on Tuesday, I should say, at Bob Hope, uh, at LAX with Bob Hope USO. So a little bit of a, of a little variety coming to you on Access Chargers this week and then also on Chargers.com. Oh, you know what else? The Chargers uh, Pro Bowl voting has started. Go to Chargers.com slash Pro Bowl. You can vote for them there. Many are deserving this year, especially, you know, I'd say you look at the performances of Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. And I think Ingram's a guy who has always wanted to make a Pro Bowl, and he hasn't. So it would be super special, and I'm sure he would be very honored if he got the got the call this year. Well, he he's done his part, you know, nine, yeah. ten games into the season. So hopefully Melvin can, uh, can close the season on a high note, too. Uh, she's Haley Elwood. Yeah. You can follow her on Twitter at Chargers H. Elwood. Haley, I will see you practice on Friday. Looking forward to it. Yeah, sounds great. And I was going to say one thing. The last time I talked to you, the last time you had me on, it was right before the Giants game, and we were 0-4, and okay. we're on a two-game losing skid. So I hope that because you had me on this week, we turn it around. Team good luck, it around this week. You know what? Moving it's forward, every time we lose, we got to get Haley back <laughs> yeah. to get back in the good graces on. of the football gods, right? <laughs> Yep, exactly. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. All right. See you, Haley. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Some fantastic guests this week. My thanks to Haley Elwood, Daniel Jeremiah, and Donnie Edwards for joining me. And thanks to you guys for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a review on iTunes. If you listen to it on iTunes, it helps us move up the charts and get this podcast to as many Chargers fans as possible. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And until next time, I'm Chris Harey.